Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Cent Citizen Central. I almost said launch sequence. I'm so used to that one. Citizen Central is the other podcast. Do this once a month, but we're doing a couple special extras after CitizenCon, bringing in some of the heavy hitters, some of the folks that I uh, talk to on the regular about Star Citizen, but figured, why don't we get together on a camera, talk about this stuff and let people in on the conversation. So today I've got uh, some great folks to talk about CitizenCon, what came out of it, Pyro and kind of the trajectory of Star Citizen after the big week that has happened. Let's start from the top left, introducing all the great faces here and, of course, the great picture. Red Monster, my friend, welcome. Thank you yeah. for joining me. Yeah, thanks. Glad to be here and uh, excited to talk about Pyro and everything we saw at CitizenCon. It was a fantastic event. And uh, yeah, I don't want to spoil too much. And we'll get into it soon enough. Ferrister, my friend, how you doing? Yes, well, also very excited to talk about some of the things from CitizenCon. I think it was a bit different this year, so I'm hoping for an interesting conversation. Yeah, I, yeah, they, they did some good stuff this year, stuff they don't normally do. Hybrid, good to see you, man. Hey, how's it going? You know, I'm going to be the contrarian and say I absolutely hated CitizenCon. It was just <laughs> awesome. No, I'm just kidding. No, I loved it too as well. I went there, I've seen everybody. It was really, really fun. I can't wait to talk more about it. So Yeah, I was going to say, I saw the big smile on your face while we were there. I know you, I know you were having fun. Salty Mike, dude, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, yeah, CitizenCon made me a lot more confident. That's what I would say. My confidence is at an all-time high Cool. Uh, for all... 10 years after that's, after this oof. citizen come that's good to hear i feel like i feel like a lot of people's confidence was at an all-time low this summer yeah like after yeah. 318 and then also 319 and then also not hearing anything like it was um they 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 pulled out <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of funny to think like after all these years of how citizen con goes down how um CIG will say things like the briefing room, like, oh, we've got this Squadron 42 video. It's going to come out. It's going to answer your questions. The roadmaps, they introduce that. And like, oh, this is going to make sure everything is more kept track of. And like, oh, we're moving things over from Squadron or from Star Citizen to Squadron. Everything's going to get better. And we just keep seeing all these things over and over of like, they're telling us this stuff, but when's the game coming? And finally, it feels like they've done an event um, that, that did that. So I guess... Rolling right into my first question, and before anybody points it out, yes, I know my camera's weird. OBS is doing its thing. Uh, for anybody who's watching the video, I'm kind of leaning off the <laughs> side of the screen here. So deal with it. Now, our first talking point is kind of about CitizenCon and the whole idea that like they've, they've chugged for a while and, and had trouble moving, and, and now it feels like they've really gotten somewhere does this feel to you guys like a true turning point for this project or does it feel like maybe just a positive bump? Feel free yeah, it's to still, it's still yeah, scam citizen, obviously still hundred percent a scam. 100%. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll take that. <laughs> no, um, yeah. I, I, gosh, uh, yeah. I mean, I've always been pretty positive overall about the project. I'm, I'm not as a longtime backer. I've been around since I think it was like 2016, and uh, I've had my ups and downs with the project, but mostly, like, I just kind of was agnostic. I would just play other games and stuff like that. Like, oh, Star Citizen is just acting up today. Okay, I'll just play something else. And I think w the CitizenCon, like, showcase really solidified my opinion of the game of just being like, yeah, just stick with it and look at it grow, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel like this is um, a, a pretty important turning point. 
Um, they they talked about uh, being feature complete. You know, we had the letter from the chairman. What was it, like a year and a half ago? Uh, basically coming out and saying they're going to focus development resources on Squadron 42 first, and then the Persistent Universe uh, will kind of get those updates afterwards. Now that Squadron's feature complete, right, we're, we're going to see a lot more progress that that, that snowball effect is going to happen on uh, the Persistent Universe. I think it's going to be a lot more vi- visible uh, as they move through with, uh, with the next, you know, several quarters. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I... I... I just, I, it's really hard to not be excited about the direction of things when, yeah, they said, okay, you know, we get the letter from the chairman and they, they, it feels like they like disappeared for a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. And, and it was, it was, the video content was always kind of like, didn't, didn't feel like it was hitting right. And then now you kind of know why, right? Is you, I was always concerned with the, we're going to take this over to squadron 42. We're going to polish it. And then bring it back to you, which was like, so we're not going to take your feedback. We're going to do whatever we want. And I, I think everybody was like a little, I, I don't think I was the only one who was a little bit worried about that. And, and uh, it turned out everything that we saw that it was, the, to me, feels like the right choice. And it, I, what we saw at CitizenCon was all the stuff we would have seen in an ISC throughout the year or years even for some of these things probably. And now it's about implementing them, right? So they gave a timeline and all that. And it's like, all right, well, instead of watching uh, an ISC on like vehicle munching or what do they call it? Structural salvage now at the yeah. very beginning, yeah. mm-hmm. we're seeing it at the very end before they put it in the game. So it's it was just so different and yeah. um, in, a, in a good way, right? It was like, I like that. It's polished. It makes sense. Uh, there's not a lot to argue against what we saw, you know? Yeah, the, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, sorry, I, I agree with that. I think for me, this CitizenCon felt very different to previous ones. I'm, I'm not quite as as long as Mike in terms of time being around, but I've been around nine years, so I've seen a few CitizenCons, and I mean, it same <laughs> a while. In, yeah. in in that time, right? They they often have a big bang feature in the keynote speech, something wild, exciting, but then something we often don't see again. Even last year, right? The theme was Journey to 4.0, and here we are, 3.21, right? But this year's CitizenCon felt very different. It was less Big Bang. It was less, here's one crazy, exciting thing that you'll forget about. This was more, here's lots of little things, or seemingly little things, but you're seeing them kind of working, and you can expect them, ideally, in the next 12 months. That is a very aggressive roadmap in some cases, but given that they were showing a lot of these things starting to work, that feels, although aggressive, it feels tangible, and that's what felt different this year for me. It definitely felt more like a, a tech company presentation, like more polished, a little bit more of like, we're doing this, we've done this, we're going to do this, sort of. They hit the whole spectrum of of, of messaging, it felt like. And um, Mike, going back to what you said about, you know, how people were feeling a little bit nervous, um, they kind of wanted to take this stuff and develop in themselves in more of a linear fashion. And then it came out and, it, and it's working. And it's like, should we should we give them a pass for this more closed development style for that or absolutely yeah you think i think at this point like okay it maybe not yet but after implementation of some of these things and how they're implemented and how smooth or how good they are uh, then then why not 
right? Like I, it's something I've been saying for a while. The the whole we got to show everything and make sure it's polished has held this held us back for how many years? How many added years do you think that stuff is put on this project? You know oh what boy. I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, what game would we have? Where would we be now if we didn't have two hundred ships to, you know, that you needed to have perfect and and in working order for everybody, and not in just some like. Oh gray box state you know or whatever right like you could still sell the ships and deliver them with a picture but the perfect functionality like they try to deliver deliver them with maybe not right and and same with armors and other features uh you know the list can go on if if it was just normal uh like what everyone else does i wonder where we would be so they kind of did that this year and now you kind of see where we could have been you know so why not so why not is what i say you guys think that they should do more of that uh yeah i think so. yeah it was it was totally show don't tell this time around right like every time they've done citizen con it's stuff mm-hmm. that they want to talk about that's coming down way down the line like we have this inside joke in my org where we call it like imagine tech right because it's yeah. just imagine 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 here's this thing that we're going to do imagine how that's going to work out right whereas this CitizenCon, the only real, like, I guess you could say imagine tech was the base building stuff. But even then, they're saying, hey, we're going to start on it, which could mean anything. But at the end of the day, that was, like, the stuff that we're looking at. We're like, yeah, that's going to be a little bit further out. But the stuff they showed was more tangible. They showed actual gameplay. They showed the technology that was on the roadmap that we never saw anything about. We never saw any type of updates about it whatsoever. And then it just pops up. And it's just right there. Here it is working yeah. As we showed it on the roadmap, like that, you know, that's the only thing we got was like a little picture and a little description. And here it is in game now and all this and that. And it's like, it's some old it was more, stuff too. Yeah. yeah some like, real old stuff. Yeah. You're like, wait, I forgot we were supposed to physically press buttons. They were, oh yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, right. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. I was yeah. like, when are they going to do it? CAG, when are you going to do it? Is this really going to be yeah. a thing you're going to do? And then they showed it. I was like, okay. All right. The, all yeah. Right. The event was definitely like, it, it felt like there were a lot of things that came up that were kind of in the back of my mind, I thought they were going to do, but at the same time, I was also like, when are they going to do that? Um, and I was glad to see a lot of that stuff, like little things too, like literally just turning in prone and not clipping into yourself and stuff is just, yeah. uh, it's great to see. And I feel like that's kind of what you're getting at. It's like, there's, this wasn't like big bang stuff. This was like your normal FPS things that you want to be polished for a good experience. Yeah, I watched. Uh, I reacted to Quinn sixty nine watching the Squadron forty two thing. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, and <laughs> he said so one funny. of the one of the funniest things he said was like, you know, when they turned the wheel, we have animations. Yeah, exactly. We turned. He turned the wheel, and we're all freaking out. Like this is the <laughs> yeah. coolest thing ever. And he makes a joke of it, like, "Wow, we have animations," because he he didn't understand how like how simple of a game we've been playing and how. Yep big of a feature that would be to us you know yeah yeah Uh, it was super funny i wonder i do wonder when i see because the two examples they used for like interactions like that were that same wheel both in the panel and then in squadron 42 so i wonder how many different weird animations like that there are they might just have that one for now but yeah yeah, it's a start (laughs) so let's actually kind of talk about the reactions a little bit this has been i think um a vindicating moment for a lot of star citizen backers feels like people are realizing the stuff that they feel like they've been talking about for a long time um there's been different ways that people have gone about sharing that love how do you guys feel like with the positivity both inside and outside of the community how do you think the community has been responding do you does it feel like uh 
people are going a little overboard? Has it been an, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think everybody's hype meters are like completely full. The hopium is there because we see feature complete, right? But people do have to take that with a grain of salt because yeah, it, it's feature complete, but they didn't give us the timeline on the polishing phase. Right there, you know, I'm, I'm assuming it, you know, with as tightly as they've kept the story mode under, like it's not going to be an open beta or anything like that. You know, uh, I am, yeah, I'm excited to see what's going to happen with a release date announcement when they when they give it. But you know, knowing that we're feature complete and the level of advancement they've seen, you know, it's it's definitely something to be excited about. Right. right. But again, like don't don't oversell the hopium, um, just because we don't have dates yet. And, you know, obviously they're moving developer resources. It's, it's on the roadmap, but, you know, Star Citizen has that age old problem of, uh, well, when, right? Right. It's, it's been in, you know, alpha for 10 years. Like when, when does the gameplay start? And, you know, that, that's where you've got to kind of balance it back. There's definitely like a, uh, all right guys. Yeah, this is good, but like, hold up. <laughs> don't, don't like, it's it's almost like don't start the marketing cycle too early. Don't get hyped too early so that by the time it's actually time to start getting excited, you're kind of on the downturn. Um, this could still be two years away. Yeah. Ferrister, what do you think? I mean, I, I agree with that. I, I When I make videos, I always talk about what's in-game now. And a lot of the stuff that we've got in-game has plans for the future. But it, until it is in my hands, I can't say when that will be and i certainly can't say exactly what that will look like um so i'm always a little bit nervous and for me as well when i was watching the squadron video in particular first of all it looked awesome but second i was like there with my pen like are they gonna give us a date for this and they said no we're still in kind of a lot of work so i agree with red monster there's clearly a lot of stuff that's going on in the background i think that means we will get a really great game. For people that enjoy Squadron, it looks like it's going to be really compelling. But my gut feel is, will I see that before the next Citizen Con? Probably not, but... So then, follow-up question then, considering all these people that are reacting from outside the community, like uh, I think, Quinn, you said, um, we've seen Asmongold, Luke Stevens, I saw Big Fry. A lot of different YouTubers have been reacting. Do you think that then their their positivity is going to kind of fade away like it's not gonna because we follow star citizen we understand that we can get hyped and then it will take a while for them to do stuff a lot of these people who are watching these videos or these reactions might be thinking oh well this is going to be we we're going to see regular updates about this until release instead of rather just forgetting about it for six months or eight months i didn't get that impression i got like especially with asmongold he was very I thought he was very balanced with it of like, this looks really cool. And uh, when it comes out, I'll play it. And it was yeah, as not, simple as that. Not them, not the people reacting more their, uh, their audience. audience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that's a different, yeah. that's a whole different beast right there. That's a whole different beast. <laughs> and, and that's kind of what I was saying to a lot of the devs when I had an opportunity. It's like, you're not mainstream mainstream, but you're way more mainstream than you were. So it can't be the, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing like they normally would um and then not do it it, it ha it's going to have a much bigger impact if they don't deliver on the 12 months or so on most of these features that we saw at citizen con because of that reason i think is that um i think people are going to quickly turn uh on them a little bit sooner than the than in the past because i think the expectations are a little bit higher now based Spencer off what higher. they showed yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they really need to strike while the iron is hot, and they really need to lay down exactly what they were talking about because they said, okay, this stuff is going to be coming to the PU as well, guys. Because right now, like, if somebody did not know anything about Star Citizen and they watch the Star Engine demo and they watch Squadron 42, they're like, this looks awesome. I want to play this. Oh, I can play this right now. And then they hop in and there's NPCs standing on chairs and people are, like, crashing into stations and there's lag and people are just teleporting everywhere. They can't open their inventory. And it's like... This is not the same experience. So they need right. to strike while the iron is hot and really get this stuff out to us as quick as they can because, of course, the experience is not matching what they showed. So right. yeah. definitely need to get that down. That was what it's, I was thinking most is like people are going to watch Squadron 42 video and then think they can get that from Star Citizen and then hop into Star Citizen. <laughs> you don't even, yeah. sorry, you don't even have a compass. <laughs> I mean, nope. who played 321 since coming back from SitCon? That was. Mm -hmm. That was tough. I actually oh, have yeah, not played it. Oh yeah, the memes were yet. great though. I loved it. Yeah. People were just like uh, watching Squadron Forty Two, all that stuff, and then going back to Three Twenty One is just trash. <laughs> this yeah, yeah. I got <laughs> so used to I got so used to like the current stuff that we have that I look at the new UI that they show us and I'm like, that's not real. That's concept art. <laughs> it's not an actual yeah. game yeah, asset. In the back of my head, I'm like, this is not real. This is all fake, right? This is not real. This is not Star Citizen. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, see, I, I see that might be that might be part of the answer to your question about the difference in the positivity from inside the community versus outside. So mm -hmm. when I talk to people, a lot of the things that people are excited for are the stuff outside the squadron panels. It's the stuff that's kind of happening iteratively over the next 12 months and that's what's got current star citizen players really hyped whereas i think a lot of the react stuff you know it it's much easier to do like a really positive reaction to the big bang squadron 42 stuff that's got big name actors and things like that and that feels quite different so there may well be a bit of a differentiator there between those who play star citizen now and are excited to add to the game versus those that are seeing that big bang presentation at the end yeah it's a good but, point and i I think you've got a lot of people that are on the fence that have played Stars of the Sand, have put it aside for the time being and said, I'm going to come back when this is more stable, right? They're yeah. seeing that Squadron 42 demo, they're seeing the, the Star Engine demo, and they're getting excited, they're coming back in, but they're running into those same problems. And I, I think it was Zero State said, like, how am I supposed to play Stars of the Sand today knowing what's coming out in the future, right? I, you know, seeing what's out there, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You're excited about it, but you want to play it so much, you kind of lose motivation to play yeah. in the current state. And that's always been the case, right? Like, we're always looking ahead, but this is just the mm -hmm. most significant ahead we've ever seen. It's yeah, I mean, when, uh, relentless optimism, ever, right? Yeah, and, and it's just when have they ever talked about reputation in every single panel that everybody discussed? When did they ever talk about crafting? When did they ever talk about legendary? Like, it's just everything was gameplay integrated in every single panel except for what the, the engine panel one? kind of yeah that was it and you know, it... Ev i've never seen a focus like this before it's always been location location visual 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 and it, this was just such a different mentality it was like, could, it was uh... like a different company you could argue that the base building was also a little bit disconnected because, again, like Tony Z wasn't yeah. there talking about the economy and the economy is super huge for the base building stuff. And the fact that it wasn't there, it did feel a little bit disconnected, which is why I like the joke is that it's like Imagine Tech. You know, it's, yeah, oh, sure. yeah, we're working on it, guys, but it's OK. When? Mm -hmm. Like how long? <laughs> my, my biggest take from that that was so special and, and that 
I'm holding on to as as one of my favorite things was not actually like we're going to be building bases is that they were very comfortable sharing the high sec you're going to be invulnerable the low sec this is how it's going to be and the no no security this is how it's going to be the and they design were, they have yeah they have been very apprehensive to share the the broader scope of the game and i thought it was always to be like a little bit more vague so you imagined what the game would be so you buy a spaceship and this time it was this is exactly how the game is going to be and this really did sound like end game stuff people were like wait what we're making spaceships and now everybody is like i don't think it'll be the uh you know the big spaceships it'll just be starter ships and now everybody's making their own speculation on that kind of stuff but it i mean i don't they said everything will be built with blueprints yeah. Like, my org is very... going to be build yeah, a javelin. <laughs> my org is going to be an Orion factory. I'm calling it right now. Okay. <laughs> there you go. That's going to be nuts. Yeah, I mean that is that's end game. Like building bases and crafting stuff is the whole like you literally you have to go get resources, you have to defend resources, you have to ship them all that stuff just so you can build stuff. So they kind of like the... said it's it's imagine. So it's got to sure. be yeah, made exactly. but sure. they, as long as they're comfortable sharing with you their purpose and their goals that's something they haven't done for since 2016 i mm -hmm. feel yeah. like so yeah it's, that's how i this this citizen con kind of felt like they opened it up saying hey our engine's pretty much done here's what it can do now we're going to show you how we're going to build the game with it and it kind of reflected in those panels like you're saying everything was more about the actual game we're going to be playing instead of the game that has to be built for us to play yeah. like they yeah. talked about raids that was i was not expecting that at all no, that um was well and i i think that does signal a bit of the turning point right that uh the the game cig and game chris roberts wanted had a lot of technical unknowns right we talk about the server meshing the seamless transitions now having demoed and actually gotten success with those unknown commodities of of the engine he wanted the rest we we know how armor sets and attributes are going to work from other fps games right we know how some of these other gameplay elements like the raids work from other fps or mmo games so now we marry those existing like known commodities with the mmos uh with this game engine that they've revolutionized and and I think that's where we start to see it tie in from, oh, hey, this is just like a really pretty tech demo to this is actually like one of the most kick-ass MMOs out there, right? And yeah. for a space sim nerd, like that's it. I, and yeah, the, the fact that like your raid requires you to fly in with the ship, figure out how to land under fire, like transport cargo together as a group, defending each other and calling out your your roles. And then like the whole... They've kind of built in platforming using unique things from the game. It's like this is a CIG that understands their strengths and and they're building things for it. I love to see that. So you mentioned server meshing there. And I think there's no talking about this Citizen Con or really Star Citizen anymore um, and not talking about server meshing. This is like they started talking about this. I know there was like the development team themselves were talking about this probably 2013 2014 uh but they kind of introduced us to it in a big way i think it was like 2018 road to release or 2017 i yeah. can't remember which year exactly it was um but they've been gunning for this for a long time and i'm pretty sure all of us have been around long enough 
to recognize how big a feat it is that they've they've done it. How are you feeling about their progress on it now that we've seen it at CitizenCon and obviously that interview with Benoit came out to kind of talk about where they are with the testing. Um, how do you feel about their ability to deliver on this? Let me break I'm it. Sure. Yeah. Give it give it to the backers or something. I, they need to scale it up, obviously. Like, it's great to show it, and I love that because it's not really the most, like, tangible thing in the world, right? The idea of explaining how server meshing works or even how important it is to the game without having to get into, like, an essay describing, like, why it is super important. That's why I use, like, Sea of Thieves when I explain it to people. Uh, Sea of Thieves uses, like, it's not the exact same concept, but there's some similarities, and people understand that, right? Mm -hmm. And... Then I explained it to about Star Citizens. Like, yeah, you get 30Ks. Everybody hates 30Ks, right? But then imagine, like, if the server... God, imagine tech. Uh, and then the, imagine if you then have, like, the server would die, but then maybe you pause for a second. I have no idea how they're going to implement this, but maybe you pause for a second or something like that while everything's loading into the new service, and then you just go on as if nothing happened, right? Because I know, like, again, this is what happens in Sea of Thieves, where you'll transfer servers, you get, like, this pause in the gameplay, and then you immediately are just back where you left off, right? But... We what they've shown us in the little demonstrations was well and good, but I want to see what that actually looks like in an actual live environment. I want to see what are they going to do when that server dies. Like, right, the the pause is there a pause? Is it seamless? Like, what is it? Like, these these are questions I have. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's I like the next step, right? Like we saw what it looked like in two D sort of graphical overlays, and then we're like, okay, well, what does this look like with just sort of like a game in the engine? And now we got that. And like, yeah, next yeah. step is like, okay, now what does this look like in a ground battle or something like that? Red Monster, what were you saying? Yeah, uh, I was, I was going to say, you know, I, I too had gone back to that 2018 CitizenCon uh, talking about the server meshing tech and the presentation with the, the different colored bubbles that just kind of floated around. Like, I feel like server meshing as a technology is, is pretty dense technically, and it's hard to relay what's being done and why that's important in, in a presentation, you know, PowerPoint style. Um, and I, you know, after the, the panel, I, I talked to Paul Rindell and just said, like, the way that you guys set up that demo and, and showing the different authority states, you know, which servers were controlling which, um, I, I feel like made it a orders of magnitude more, uh, more absorbable by somebody that is coming in who doesn't understand necessarily the, the, the networking tech behind, you know, MMOs, uh, but but can go and look at that video and understand what's going on and why that would be important. And I feel like they really nailed it there. Um, some people may still think it's still too much on the technical side, but for me, as someone who had to watch the previous CitizenCon video on it three, four times, and still couldn't quite like put my finger on like, okay, like how does this work? Uh, having that live demo, and the fact is now that they've got the core functionality behind it, I think that'll scale out properly. Um, uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, I would agree that it definitely, especially if you're a backer, because of course CitizenCon is pretty much for the backers. So there is some marketing, of course, for outside, like Squadron Forty Two stuff, but it is at all for at the end of the day for the backers. And one of the things is, as us, we understand intuitively what they mean when they show us that demonstration. But like to an outsider, it doesn't make any sense. It's just showing a bunch of colors like switching and stuff like that. This is why I said like um, because a lot of people don't realize like. Even probably some citizens don't even realize how insanely important this tech is. 
Uh, like it is just crucial to the MMO aspect, not just because it's going to increase player sizes, but it's also going to allow fleet battles and stuff like that. Things that like we can only do so much now before your FPS dies or the server 30Ks, right? There's so much more tied to it. The economy is tied to it. Uh, the, the exploration aspects of the game is tied to it. Chris's coffee cup analogy he always throws around is like tied to that, right? And the coffee cup. Yeah, and the thing is, is like an outsider looking in probably doesn't understand why this is important. To them, it, it may as well just be another MMO with a lot of players playing around, right? And uh, all those moving parts are so crucial to it, and kind of explaining that even in such a small demo is not necessarily going to um, kind of either alleviate concerns about it or explain in depth what the actual you know underlying systems are actually going on there. Yeah. So again, this is why I said like, I would love to see them also demonstrate this at scale when they can finally get to that, because I think that will definitely uh, make it more intuitively understandable as to like why this is so crucial for things going forward. It still probably is going to be pretty technical, uh, but ultimately I think like, again, more show, not tell, is always just gonna be a lot better going forward. Like strike where um, the iron's hot and keep doing more of that if they can, you know? I am very glad they figured out a way to show. Cause that was- yeah. That was one of the two important things I think going into the Citizen Con was like they needed to figure out a way to show us that they knew server meshing could work. And they actually did. It was actually really funny. I walked out of the theater during that part. I didn't get to see it live. And it was it was a bummer. Me and Morph were both uh we headed to the pyro panel. I, I still I'm thinking back and I'm like, man, why did we think that was a good time to get up? But we got up to go get in line for the pyro panel, and then we realized they were doing the server meshing demo and we're like, oh boy. Huh. We got yeah, literally you, to the next spot we were supposed to go on the computers and we're like, screw this, let's go back. Yeah, that's where I saw you in line because I, I was the same thing. They're like, oh, server meshing. I was like, okay, they're probably just going to show like a bunch of graphs and data and then I'm not really, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to go play Pyro. <laughs> so that's why they I love that panel too. They yeah. got us. Yeah, exactly. I, I watched the, the VODs afterward. I was like, what? <laughs> but to and, be uh, fair, to be yeah. fair, there are a lot of Star Citizen players out there who, as, as much as this is a technical feat, they don't care. They just want the game to work and they just want the game yeah. to be awesome. And, you know, we're here and talking in hybrid. I think you explained it very eloquently there, as did the, the panel about how the stuff works and why it's so important. But to be fair, it's also a valid opinion for backers who pay their money to genuinely not care. They just want the game to work and they want it to work well and to get what they want. So, you know, for some people, it might not be as important to watch that panel and learn the inner gubbins of Star Citizen but um, I think what was impressive for me was when you actually start listening to what they're saying, they start talking about the edge cases. So they mentioned things like ships and ships and hybrid. I think that goes back to the first thing you said, which is give it to me. Let me break it because that's what players will do. As soon as this stuff goes live, they'll be like, right, what if I'm throwing stuff from one place to the other like they showed in the demo? So for me, what I really liked about that panel was they were starting to think through those edge cases, all those different things. And that shows for me a maturity in the tech that I've not really seen before. Yeah, agreed. So from, from all this and what we've seen, I think Benoit also was saying that they are, uh, this goes to what you're saying, Ferrister, they're, they're testing some of these things like ship transitions and vehicle transitions and some of those more advanced things that you wouldn't expect to hear if they were just doing like prototype work um what kind of internal timeline i know this is this is a horrible practice and we should all be banned from doing this but what kind of internal timeline are you setting for yourself 
um let's say on server meshing just hitting the ptu doesn't even have to be live or any of that i'll stuff. help i'll help calm everything down a little bit <laughs> guys remember guys remember pes remember how long it took to get everything working with pes i think pes is the more complicated one as they shared in the past but like mission teams transit uh logging in logging out all of this stuff has to work seamlessly and really really well now when we get it into the ptu that's actually a much more complicated question because look at what we have now right. uh, they're they're now able to put something in a ptu that they have no plans of delivering in the next patch uh so that could come sooner than later like replication layer test and then server meshing quickly after with very limited scope to that test right like it doesn't have to be uh, an entire perfectly working system we can be like yeah transit doesn't work but uh you know, just try it out with, with these things or whatever. So that could happen sooner, but just given the way uh, object container streaming, server-side object, object container streaming and PES worked with the game dev teams, and when Benoit talked to Tarada in French, that was kind of the one thing that they really pointed out that was like, okay, like, yeah, you guys got it, but there's a lot, this road is a, seems to be a little bit longer than everybody is making it seem like. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, I'm chilling. It'll happen when it happens. Uh, all that other stuff you can deliver in Stanton or in the pyro and pyro and I'm cool. So and I think, I think we've got a responsibility there as well to really support that message. I agree with Mike 100%. You know, I, I reflect back to December. Um, was it last year when we had the pressure to say, get this stuff out there. You promised by the end of the year. It ended up yeah. being March before we got it. And what we got was a mess. And frankly, I think a lot of that mess was because of the pressure that was put to get something out there. And to some extent, you know, that might not have been predictable. And to some extent, it might have been. But with this sort of a technology, the scope for things to go very wrong is huge. And so I, I would want to see that tested, tested thoroughly, tested properly, and only go to live when there's a level of confidence, a high level of confidence, albeit it will never be 100% with some of this tech until you try it at scale. But there are a lot of players now who don't play PTU. They play Star Citizen as a game, and there's a lot of stuff in there that will be workable for people as a game. And something as big as this has big potential to really kibosh that for people. So I hope that we're very, very measured. We're excited for server meshing, but we're not really setting timescales or expectations. It'll be cooked when it's cooked. All right. So we're getting a, we're getting a no, no answer from Ferris here, it sounds like. No months? When it's ready. Okay. I like that. The, the Chris opium answer. has worn off. <laughs> well, I like that we're at this point where like we... We've seen server meshing, so we're like, okay, uh, do it when it's ready. Give us everything else. Whereas, like all this time, we've been like, please, server meshing, please prove it's working. Well, I mean, yeah. how many of us still have fatigue from three eighteen, right? Dude, I still as, have fatigue from like three point It just as, it stacks. Yeah. <laughs> as far as the dumpster fires I've seen in my day, I feel like three eighteen was was probably uh, one of the biggest, um, just because the complication that we ran into, and you know, it's. Obviously, yeah, uh, unproven technology is trying to do it at a scale they haven't seen before. There's going to be a lot of unknowns, um, and, you know, they, they've battled it. It was, you know, a lot of us in the, yeah, 
disconnect and the completely unable to access our accounts for weeks at a time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you couldn't things even, have smoothed out. You couldn't even log in. Yeah. No, I, I spent release day uh, basically building Legos for eight hours with a script trying to log myself <laughs> in. And that was it. So I don't know how I survived. Yeah, at least you had a script to do it. Yeah. <laughs> just sat here and kept clicking. Content generation was so low at that time. There's just nothing you could do, like, regardless. It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, over the summer. Right. And, it's, and it's crazy, because during that time, we're like, what, what's going on? You've talked about these features. You said these things in the letter from the chairman. Like, we know these things are being worked on. Why aren't you talking about them? They just want to have a big splash at CitizenCon. And mm. we know that, like... We know that every year they do that. They hold stuff back, but Jesus, they held a yeah. lot of stuff back. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. they really needed to be like, this is where your 600 million went. Yeah. They really had to just be like, it, it's okay. And that's, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not a statement. Okay. Come here. That's Come. not a statement you want to hand out in little tidbits over a year. Right. You, you need that to feel. be, that, that's, mm -hmm. that's the check at the end of the meal, right? It says, yeah. here's, here's what we've got, right? Yeah, and it's yep. like we can see that too with what we've been talking about reactions, how much of a splash it made throughout the the community and outside the community wouldn't have happened if we'd already seen, you know, new quantum travel animations or new UI yeah. or new map and stuff like that. So like, yeah, okay, it worked, I get it, sure, but that was rough, guys. <laughs> that hurt. Yeah. And, um, and I won't forget. I will not forget this year. So like, even though it was everything looks more polished, even though every it's still, this is still the same company yeah they've... and this is still the same company that at the end of last year showed you eva mechanics a new star map or told you a new star map uh quantum traveling and all these things and then told you by the end of 2023 you will have all those things we have nearly none of them so i will still not listen to any of it it i am more confident but it's just when it's on my computer it's going to be cool and i i'm confident that i'm going to enjoy it and i'm confident that this is the game for me where i wasn't sure about that after the last couple of years yeah this I, is I, the, I now i know it's the game for me i remember i think hearing you say that during one of your streams maybe a year or two ago and you were like yeah. you were saying at this point this is gone we've gone gotten to the point where i don't know if this game is one that i'll actually enjoy anymore so that's good to hear yeah. and that's kind yeah. of derivative to what morphologist was saying at the event too is like the first day of the event the first yeah most of the first day of the event he was feeling a little bit down about the stuff that they were presenting but that second day man that really turned around morale i think and um good messaging all around actually let's why don't we talk about some of the features they showed there because it's actually game game changing stuff in my opinion the first person interaction and like ui stuff as well as all of like the mapping and ui stuff was the biggest group of features for me but i'd love to hear kind of what you guys really focused on like what was the what were your favorite takeaways from citizen con overall in terms of features legendary armor i just that's it somebody else could take over that's all i have to say <laughs> wait wait i want to i'd actually let's dive in on that a little bit because this is an aspect of MMOs that I don't understand and I don't know. Um, but there's been a lot of commentary on it in my chat that I feel like I need to get more versed on. The idea of armor or item rarity, right? The colors that are associated, everybody points towards World of Warcraft for that. Some people like it, some people don't. Personally, I feel 
if there are reasons for the armor to be different, that makes sense. But I know there's a lot deeper conversation there. Can you like, do you know much about that? Can you dive into that? Does anybody else want to? I I can, I think, but I know some, you guys have other, you guys have experience in this stuff too, I'm pretty sure. So I have some experience. I'm actually, I'm more curious to hear your take on it, uh, Mike. Okay. I, I just think it's less about the common, uncommon and legendary stuff. Um, and, and they were not very clear about what that will actually mean. Yeah. So the thing that really mattered to me was that they said that there would be armor sets for certain types of professions. So if you're going to be a medic, what does that mean? Uh, what sort of attachments are you going to have and what sort of extra experiences are you going to be able to enjoy because of it, right? Right now, armor is 40% damage reduction, 30% damage reduction, 10% or 20% damage. I don't remember what light is. And yeah. uh, that's it, right? And then a little bit of temperature stuff. So what those numbers are all going to mean and what sort of characteristics each armor is going to have, they were not clear about it all. I don't. I think that's something that's very similar to base building. We're not seeing that in 12 months. That is incredibly complicated and it might take a really long time. But the 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 fact that they want you to, it's about progression. It's about MMOs never turn off and you can play them for 10 hours a day or you can play them for one hour a day. And every day you can work towards improving your character and improving your experience and making everything you do easier or opening up and unlocking new experiences for yourself through that stuff. So yeah. that's what it means. Like for me, it was like, all right, I'm going to be able to mine different things with hand mining or uh, new salvage experiences, being, being able to not just hold more stuff, but maybe hold different types of material, right? Volatile things, things like that, right? You can go take it anywhere. It can go anywhere. Um, and that's what it means is that you need to work your way to that. So instead of popping in every day, having the world is your oyster sandbox experience, which, you know, I get a lot of hate for my opinions. And that's one of the ones that are, are very common of Mike, this is a sandbox. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. No, that's not what a sandbox is. A sandbox gives you tools and you can choose which way you want to go, but there's sand to play with and this is the sand right is the you take your time you figure out what direction you want to go and you work your way towards that and this is the work so playing a game every day and maybe you don't succeed every day but you're working towards that success that's what an mmo is that's what this means to me yeah I, just to kind of um oh sorry i didn't want to interrupt no but, go ahead yeah i just wanted to build off of that real quick um like an example of a sandbox game but also has something that w you can work towards um, kind of like having a class system is like uh, Conan, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Conan, uh, like for example, they had that one update where they had sorcery. And yep. that is like an entire tree that you can kind of like focus on. You could have a faction of friends that you're playing with. You can have a guy that's like the sword and board warrior, and then you can be yourself like the sorcerer. But there's an entire progression system built into that where you are just skilled into sorcery. And mm -hmm. 
this is kind of the same thing they're kind of talking about here in time in terms of profession because uh, like Mike said, there's not a lot of distinction with armors right now, right? There's like, it's just the damage reduction and there is weight properties, but there's n it's never explained. There are weight properties to a lot of items yeah. in game. Um, but beyond that, there's no distinction for a lot of stuff in game. So for example, we have the paramed device that we use to res. Like everybody runs around with a paramed device because they can, there's no penalty to using it. Yeah. Despite the fact that the multi-tool also has a paramed system on there, the only real difference, though, is it can't dispense other drugs. It can hold a lot more of the normal healing juice. I guess you could say the, the green juice. juice. It can, it can juice. hold a lot more than the pyramid. That's the main distinction. The difference, though, as a lot of people don't realize, is that multi-tool is also extremely heavy. Um, so if you're wearing that multi-tool on you, it weighs you down more, right? But these are things that the game doesn't explain to you in any way. It doesn't tell you. Yeah. And then when you find the pyramid device, you're like, why the heck do I ever care about the other one? Like... And the idea that you could like spec into stuff, maybe your armor carried, maybe you can't like uh, functionally use stuff, certain things, maybe because your character's either not specced into it or they don't have the quite the right qualifications or they don't have the right armor sets that are required for that. Um, it doesn't even have to necessarily be as restrictive as like I'm kind of laying out here. I'm just giving examples, but like the idea that you could just, uh, you know, find some really cool like med tech armor pieces, right? And they give you like maybe bonuses or something like that. They can give you something to work towards to make you a better medic on the field. Whereas like currently right now, like I said, anybody can just run around with a paramed. So like there's no point, like why even bother even bringing pens sometimes? Sometimes people yeah. just use paramed device. Like yeah. there's yeah. no real reason to, right? Yeah. I think, um, you know, that's, that's actually a really solid avenue to look at this from because they've talked about this to a ton uh there's actually a panel in 2019 armor archetypes i think it's called and they go over all the different like this is the stuff and, and there's that progression like they they were very conceptual back then now we can finally hear how it's getting worked into gameplay stuff but they talked about like what you're saying and i mean we've seen this in development too salvage backpack showed up in the monthly report quite a few times and it's disappeared but but you, you know, know it's there. Yeah, it's it's there, and it's it's yeah. part of this. What they're talking about, the idea that like somebody who's cargo hauling isn't going to be carrying around a multi tool with a medical attachment. They're going to be carrying around a full on tractor beam tool and probably like or, a, or a an exoskeleton. Yeah, that now yeah. they can carry heavier. You know, whatever it could be, yeah. anything. It's just that's the 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 one thing that I, why I pointed it out is like typical MMOs might be like twenty percent. Uh, re weight reduction you know and like there's like very gamey things yeah. so we don't know how gamey they're gonna get I i'm for them going as psycho crazy gamey as possible just not because we don't have skills it, it you know you can't like add attributes to people necessarily but the but i'm for them going as far in that direction as possible and um i don't think that'll happen but it's I'd just really i'd love to I'd... see what it, that looks like for them I'd like to see it make sense. So like, yeah, it has to make sense. Like, like you have th you're wearing a thicker, more heavy piece of armor, you, but it's still like a combat piece of armor as opposed to like an undersuit for racing, super light stuff like that. Like, I, I like that, but it would suck if it was like, oh yeah, you uh, you put on this armor and now you can carry three extra weapons or something yeah. like that. I don't I, know. I know. You know that, that that's that. kind of a good point. You know, I I see it being like a, a racing dedicated undersuit that gives you like a twenty percent G force resistance. Right, you, you're not going to black out as much because it's one of those compression suits, right? Or, you know, something for, you know, like the mining. Uh, maybe you've got a unique backpack that's got, like, three attachment points for your, uh, um, the, the modules you put on, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the gadgets. 
right? Yeah, uh, throw on more slots for that if if you've got good reputation with mining. Like that salvage tool was a big disappointment for me when we started to get salvage because we could do hole scraping with just the handheld tool, but we had shown these visual assets of a dedicated, you know, kind of tractor beam like that just wasn't there, right? And I'm sitting there scratching my head like we saw the backpacks, we saw the tool, like are they not here? That's probably rolling into that reputation level system. And um it was mentioned during the cargo lifts and talking about like kind of the cargo missions that that reputation is going to have specific like ship skins uh, clothing, armor sets, devices that are reputation locked behind those separate factions yeah. that you're not going to be able to buy in-game. And I think that's that's part of it. But, um, you know, back to the actual itemization, you know, give us give us those perks, you know, additional module slots, additional, you know, G-Force resistance and, you know, temperature yeah. type stuff. Ad additional burrito holsters and, and things like that. Yes. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Purple um, up the double dogs. <laughs> uh, what else? What else? I mean, you mentioned reputation, but what, what else did you guys really find interesting at CitizenCon? I think, I think for me, I, I really don't understand. I'm here amongst some fantastic guests who are extremely knowledgeable about the game. They're dynamic, entertaining individuals. And you asked what's the most exciting, tangible gameplay we saw at CitizenCon. How are we not talking about engineering gameplay? It was incredible. Here, here. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's I, one of the big things just... for you. Exactly. Uh, that is the most exciting thing for me. I know we've talked about it before, but for me, it really opens up much more meaningful multi-crew gameplay, especially for larger ships, but also to differentiate the advantage of crew for smaller ships. So for me, if we see that in the next 12 months, I think that would add an awful lot to a lot of the ships that we've got in game now. Without having to do potentially a lot of extra work, it adds a lot of potential gameplay. So for me, that was the most exciting thing what well, do you think that it's you don't think it's going to take a lot of extra work for them to update the ships for it uh, who knows i think there'll be a mix depending on the ship but i think it'd be a lot easier than building a whole new ship for example i don't think you yeah, need fair. to go through everything because of the way that a lot of the ships have been built there might be some of the older ones that are more challenging um but you know i'm hoping that there won't be like lots of remodeling of the ships for example required to get some basic functionality in. i think yeah, a I, lot I, of go ahead who you <laughs> oh okay sorry um i i just real quick the only reason i was apprehensive to not say that was because that one really left a lot more i noticed i noticed a lot of people and and even myself a little bit just going how often are we going to have to deal with this will it get tedious it, it there's a lot of questions about it but the only thing that i will take and be like this is awesome i love the the thought process is the battery system and the choice of like your bigger ships can't do everything at once for at least for an extended period of time right the battery sounds like it'll allow you to do a little bit of everything for a little while at least but uh i i love that but outside that, I think a lot of people are like, all right, but how's this going to play out? And then to, to yeah. Tomato's point is like, uh, they showed us this two years ago and we're still no, not that close to it. It seems like to get it in every ship at least. So that's why we heard this is going to be an experimental mode because there's no shot you're getting this on all your ships anytime soon. So enjoy it here. We'll gather feedback on it here. We're going to prove it out and perfect it here and... 
I'm all, all for that. I think the experimental mode part was actually the best part of it for me. Is yeah. Like, yeah. Get it in our hands. Let's mm -hmm. enjoy it and, and let's break it. We can, on it. We yeah, can go break, break it. it. Exactly. And, you know, we talk about the 200 ships and the version control that has to be going on with those every time there's a new, you know, kind of item to that gold yeah. standard. We hope that they've engineered these ships, you know, uh, from the, you know, from previous. Uh, they've gotten it ready, so we can just plug these components in when they're ready. But at the same time, how many of those 200 ships were designed with this in mind, and how many are going to need to go back through some type of retrofit process? bring them up to the new gold standard and how does that gold standard change over the next 12 months as they continue to engineer? I, you know, that's as someone who's dealt with other version controlling and project management stuff there, it's, it's a rabbit hole. I don't envy them for, uh, but uh, I'm curious to see how it's going to play out. So yeah, 200, uh, 200 ships. They, they got to get to all of them have to be gold standard. And I mean, just even like some of them have to be reworked like the 600 I, for example. Right. And even then, that's taking them a while to do. Obviously, they they seem to be diverting resources elsewhere. But just the 600i alone, just the rework required to get that up to a gold standard and a better uh, place than where it is now, that is taking them quite an endeavor. Now, imagine like the Starfarer or the Caterpillar, like the yeah, it's uh, or the BMM. Yeah. yeah, they've got a they've got a lot of work. The one thing that I do like though is that like gold standard two years ago when they were doing the Gladius really didn't mean much to us. It meant like there were buttons and the lighting was updated. But now gold standard is like, okay, the damage system's there. Engineering is there. Clearly they have gotten better at like specific little lights and, and things with like the, the, we saw it with the cutter and the Corsair. Um, the A1 has some specifics. So like the gold standard is so much better now that when, it, when they update a ship to gold standard, I think it's going to mean a lot more than if they had done it a couple of years ago, just because they even know the dimensions for this type of gameplay. Like they know where all of the fuses need to be and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's, it's always a moving target. Um, but engineering gameplay is huge. I mean, that, that's, that's multi-crew that like, that could change the entire yep. game. This is mm -hmm. take sea of thieves and blow it up times 10 and then add vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody yeah, who's really <laughs> anybody who's really concerned about the number of empty seats on their like really over oversized ships, like raise your hand. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. that's actually that's, that. a, that's a good um, topic I think to to go off of with this is like because we're starting to get to capital ship gameplay. People are going to start to realistically want to have their big ships out in space over the next couple of years that they can do whatever they want with. But engineering is one of those things that seems like it's gonna put a little bit of a, a stop in that. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would like to be able to solo like a pretty big ship. How hardcore, and this goes back to what you were saying, Salty, about we don't know how often these like problems are going to pop up. What would you expect? Because they've said they don't want people to fly big ships on their own. Do you think they're going to like be really, really tough about that? Or will you be able to make it work? No, I don't think it'll be too bad. I think, and I think that's kind of the problem with the demo is that they, they, uh, they showed you all of the the panic moments right because they wanted to be able to show you everything in a short period of time but i mm -hmm. i imagine a c2 pilot will be able to fly around move their 696 of car you know of cargo around and as long as you're not getting shot at too much you might get a little wear and tear here and there you know stop off at a landing pad repair and you're going to be all right you know mm -hmm. but if you get into a firefight it you're not going to be able to manage the way you would have 
and you're and you're gonna die. You know, you're just gonna die more easily than if uh you know red monster was in the back or or hybrid or somebody healing stuff and putting out fires and uh, you know putting new components in. I, I mean, that's that's the real um that'll be the the way I think it'll play out. But I don't I don't know. You know, and this yeah. this is where I think the size of the ships will become more relevant because there's. There's lots of multi-crew ships, but then there are big multi-crew ships and there are small multi-crew ships. And I always feel like some of the smaller multi-crew ships are kind of straddling that you could solo this ship, but also if you've got a crew, you might get more performance out of it if you've got an yeah, engineer yeah. in there. And, you know, on the, on the demo, we saw um, some of the engineering screens that we saw. They showed like the setup of the hammerhead and things like that. You know, that's not a ship you really take out solo now. Well. I know some people do, but really, you probably want the turrets manned. If you've got six guys in turrets and a pilot on a hammerhead, it is not a major deal to have one person extra on an engineering station or maybe the sixth turret person, but the gameplay you unlock is very different. So for somebody that is interested in that more support-style gameplay, there's more variety in that ship. So... Uh, how much setup is involved, how much it will add to multi-crews, I think probably depends on the size of the ship. But even if it, you know, creates gameplay in some ships that otherwise wouldn't exist, for me, that's a win. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I think um, my only real concern is how engaging engineering will be. Like, obviously, combat is the language we all speak because it's the easiest thing you can put into any game, really. And uh, conflict is always a good way of kind of illustrating what you could do with engineering but like in the downtime like what is an engineer really doing the entire time is he constantly balancing power levels is he constantly uh you know going around checking wear levels or is he just sitting in a seat the entire time just looking at his moby glass and just browsing spectrum like what is it what is the actual like downtime in between because remember uh we're supposed to have really long quantum travel times in pyro we don't have the entirety of pyro which we'll talk about later but like the uh the distances on those are supposed to be pretty large and what are you supposed to do in between that time? Are you just going to go around and just look at every single one of the fuses? Or are you going to sit there and stare at your screen the entire time? Like, what is the in-between moments? And then um, this also goes on to something else I want to talk about. I saw a lot of critiques about the engineering that it was a lot more beam citizen. And I'm kind of curious as to what you guys thought about that as well. Yeah. Well, I, to, your, to your first point, uh, I think that... Um, they're going to have to add a lot of stuff on ships for people to do. Because you could ask that same question for a turret gunner, you know, who would probably or have less to do. Yeah, I, I, there's going to be a lot of downtime for a lot of people. So building in things to do on the ships, whether it's inventory management, whether it's you're able to kind of track the market and tab stuff down and save it for later that you want to do, or even if it's um, uh, getting into a sim pod and doing like arena commander stuff, they got to make that clear for sure. Because, yeah, a lot of downtime. As for the beam citizen stuff, though, <laughs> um, I am for them doing whatever gets these game systems into our hands faster. Yeah, I've I've never had a problem with the beams. My opinion, the gameplay is all the stuff surrounding the beam. You know, mining isn't about shooting a beam into a rock. It's about finding the right rock, using the right beam, and going to the right place. So, like, if you're engineering with a beam, I think the gameplay is probably more about the context around that than just pressing the button and pointing the beam, but... I'd like to hear what you guys have to say too. Yeah. The, the only thing I would change is, is super, super simple. It's the exact same concept. So when you're using a beam, all you're doing is pressing the beam and watching a bar go up. Uh, I just, I, when I talked about it, I used the, an escape from Tarkov example, which is like, 
when you br when your arm blacks out, you'll use a surgical kit instead of a splint, let's say. And it's all the same concept, but it is just a different animation with like a different thing in your hand. So if the fuse broke on your power plant, uh, you would repair it and your character would just pull a fuse out of their pocket and put it in and mess around with it, wrench, close. Uh, if the wiring burned out, then they would, you know, pull the wire out, replace it with new wires and or whatever, right? And just, it would be just different animations to do the same thing, to just ground you a little bit more in the world. And it's not so samey with everything else. It, it, you know, that's, that's what I, instead of the medical gun, I would have loved to see something like that. I know it's a thousand years in the future, but uh, for me, the only beam that ever made sense was a tractor beam. And uh, the mining laser and salvage stuff has obviously grown on me, but the uh, it's just getting excessive and, and you can, you can uh, achieve the same things in different ways. And, but with the very similar concepts beam for now, if you want to do that, but just give a little more variety and make it make ground, ground me in the world more, make me feel like I'm actually repairing something. That reminds me of far cry. When you heal yourself, you can do anything from like sticking a cigar into your bullet wound to like prying it out with a knife or something. They yeah, just do it. different animations. Some variety. Was there a different attachment? I actually was kind of in and out of the engineering one. Was the beam that they used it different? Was a from salvage. Oh, yeah, salvage attachment. Salvage attachment. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think they're trying RMC. to represent. Yeah, I think they're just trying to represent a system. Maybe they, maybe they give it more depth in the future. But I figured it was repair before we have repair. Yeah, yeah I think. Um, they could even like make it a little bit more in depth by like uh, one game I'm thinking of like immediately off the top of my head is like uh, I don't know if you all ever played it like back in the day America's Army. Um, they used to have like a way you could like certify to become like a medic in that game. And then when you actually played multiplayer, you actually would if you had like a soldier that was injured, uh, you actually would go up to him and then it would give you like a multiple choice question. Basically, it would say this is the symptoms this person has. And then you as the person there treating them has to give them the correct treatment otherwise there could be issues that pop up if you don't do it correctly and not you could probably do something like that for engineering right like let's say the i don't know the altamir fuse is showing a red light and if you have like practiced your engineering and you kind of know a little bit about like the way the game is you're like oh i need my altamir tool or something like that right like you need and this also could kind of make it a little bit more skill-based so that way someone doesn't have to just go in there with a salvage tool and then go, oh, bar went down. Okay, okay, back up. Now they can look at it. There's an actual diagnosis of what the problem is. And then they can treat it. Like, there's an internal fire in my quantum drive. Okay, fire extinguisher time. There is a, um, like I said, just made up name. Altamir fuse just went out. Oh, I need to get my Spingle Splango beam. And then that will stop the, the red light from going off. And that'll reset that, you know. That seems like it could be a little bit, like, what they have now seems like a really good first iteration that they can definitely put in like pretty soon I, at least i'd hope yeah. so but i would definitely love to see that be fleshed out and be more in-depth later and like something like that like a multiple choice kind of very simple system like testing your knowledge of your engineering stuff and then you can then apply that to fix it and then if you don't do it right all kinds of shenanigans could probably happen. I think that'd be pretty funny. It also, because yeah. everybody loves the sandbox aspect of it, it also means you can do some really funny stuff with your friends, right? You can sw swap different fuses that are not the correct fuse, and then it causes all kinds of weird nonsense to happen. Maybe you have a light show going on in your in your engineering bay now or something like that. So I would definitely like to see that be fleshed out a little bit more. So we'll definitely see how that goes when they bring it to our hands soon. So. Good I don't think anybody could disagree that we. it's a good 
damn good base though yeah yeah it's right. like medical when it first came in and good to remember is the things that that, that thurston remember uh mentioned during the design brief earlier this year like the different glitches and stuff that can happen the power surges and things that's kind of where it sounds like they might get a little more creative with how you're gonna fix those problems but but who knows we'll have to see how about mapping systems what do you guys think of all of that I, I'm, I'm a huge fan i'm a huge fan the miners are happy yeah. Dude, uh, I I just I long for the day when I don't have to go drop a delivery box to to mark a location, <laughs> right? Um, I think that's yeah. number one. And yeah, it's um, getting lost in caves. Like I think that's going away. They talked about you know kind of the local map populating, um, and I I've got to say I'm I'm interested in the data running aspect of it. You know, if you can compile uh, an entire cave system mapped out mark specific POIs throughout the cave as you're going down there and then condense that all into one package, you know, sell it off to a data broker that, you know, somebody wants to go use that cave as a hideout sometime that you get a thousand credits or, or something here and there. But that's exploration. Um, it's like yeah, all we need yeah. is the ability to set a data point and everything else is kind of in place. Well, not everything, it's, but yeah. that is a, 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 a sand shovel in a sandbox, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is it's one huge. of the most or, or, or a bucket. It's one of the most important tools. Yeah. yeah, that was I'm, that's like a low key winner of the convention is literally just the data no point joke. setting. Yeah, no joke. Yeah, and I I feel like the the way that they've redone the map now, um, how it you know whatever scale you go to, you know you've got the cosmetic scaling for the planets, but it goes down to the interiors of ships uh, and all of that. We we saw that shader, uh, you know the the that pack, I think last year at CitizenCon. <laughs> Uh, with the address, everybody was really impressed with it. I I feel like yeah, they they've nailed it, and I just get it to me, <laughs> and let me break it right. And obviously, you know, I'm sure, hopefully, it comes with some type of data broking market that we can, you know, sell our pins. Uh, and if not, uh, I'm sure the community will come up with their own tools. Yeah, to I mean, it out. yeah, like it doesn't matter what they give us. Whenever they give us data points, the the player economy is going to explode. People are going to yeah. be going out there, finding Quantanium, putting it out on, on websites and, and Discord and stuff. People are going to have bots of like, oh yeah, here, I'll just transfer. Like, it doesn't even matter if they give us the tools or not. And that's, I think, like what Mike was saying, it's a shovel. They give us data points and we're going to do so much with that. Um, the, the idea that you're going to be able to scan, do the ping and then reveal stuff and save that into your map and watch as the map kind of um builds itself i feel like is is they just pulled the scene from prometheus and they were like i know a lot of people want to do this you guys know what i'm talking about yeah the, the part with you know idris doing his his accent the smoky accent and all this stuff and they're scanning the the caves and like everybody's like this is so sick you got orbs and they're scanning stuff and the star citizen devs are like hmm sounds like a good idea i love that stuff i've been waiting so long Mm -hmm. My favorite thing was was the fact that, I mean, it was Orison, like, you're going to have this map. But when they had to go to the shop and purchase the map, I was like, we're not going to know where Jumptown is. We're not going to know where Grimhex is. We're going to, like, these are those reputation opportunities to be like, all right, uh, you build your rep with Ninetales. They're going to tell you where Jumptown is. And, yes, we have the the very amazing community that we have that, like, will tell you how to get there 
jumping to this point and moving in this direction and all that stuff. But uh, it takes all that guesswork and complication out of it. If, um, you know, the mining guild's going to say there's Janelite here in this cave. Here's the map. Go, go get it. You know, yeah, is, uh, is the cool part or buying mm -hmm. that map because you want to go get it. You know, yeah. I, I do like the idea of hiding the POIs, like as a thing that you can acquire. Because, for example, like as an average citizen, why do you need to know where SPK is? Right. It's it's irrelevant to you unless you are working with Crusader security a lot. Right. Yeah. Then they may be like, hey, uh, we've been having problems here at SPK with a lot of pirates and people coming in and trying to attack our people. You've been working with us for quite a while. Why don't we go ahead and just give you the location so you can just quantum instead of having to like free travel trying to figure out where it is. You can just quantum straight to it. And then they just download it to your databanks and now you have it. Like, yeah. That yeah. is pretty cool, especially with pirates, right? Ninetales. Maybe you start working with Ninetales. Mm -hmm. And we know that Grimhex is kind of like their little outpost that they've been kind of in control of. Nobody knows where it is because it's not on any maps. It's kind of been lost to history, so to speak. And then you've been working with Ninetales and they're like, hey, man, why don't you come hang out with us? Okay, cool. Give you the, the yeah. link. And now you have the QT marker and you can just go straight to it. Imagine right. having you... to earn something, right? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Holy. And you, you talk about like the, the legal versus illegal aspects. Maybe it's stash houses used by smuggling rings. You know, it's it's a cave down X number of you know legs. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe there's a specific stash in, um, uh, yeah, Klesher, right? You, you get some of those resources, you build that up. Um, they, are, they did mention um, that you would be able to get more complete scan data on things. And this is actually one of the other areas that I was really excited about, you know, kind of that exploration style gameplay. Um, you know, at, at some point in the future, I want to either see or have myself gone out and, and scanned a new jump point, right? Recorded the data, collected everything I could, and then go sell that for like a billion credits on the, on the market, right? That would be, you know, that's, I see it as the, you know, kind of the real gold standard of what, exploration uh looks for right it, that's your gold ticket so. yeah that that's would the be end like game, that. right that's yeah. what i bought this game for was that specific thing like mm -hmm. imagine because they told you you'd be able to name the jump point like imagine being able to do that that'd be crazy that'd be nuts um yeah the the idea of data being a commodity is so powerful you like the reputation of oh you don't know where this space station is with the best the best uh things to sell and buy like you if you can sell your commodities there you will make amazing profit but you don't get it because you're not you're not in with fairwinds shipping company uh, enough in reputation that's like it's building out the important parts of games without even adding new features it's just utilizing the one that we have and that's the the map downloads like you said that's just like the uh the base building secure systems less secure systems like that's game design they're telling yep. us how the game's actually going to work finally. You're going to download maps. It's, nobody really was talking about that before, but now we know. And, and they didn't even got... tell us they showed it. Yeah. Yeah. There was yeah, no concept. so art. much better. <laughs> there was no slide. No. They literally yeah. were in-game and they were like, hey, how about we go download the map? And you're just like, wait, what? Excuse yep. me? Yeah, that was yeah, my that's good stuff. dropped. Yeah. They, they, did, they did a couple of really good things like that. Um, let's talk about ships. Perister, I want to hear a lot from you in this one because you're the, you're the ship guy among us. Um, there are a lot of ships that they're planning on getting into the game in 12 months. And some of them are different than we would have, like, than, than we're used to. We've seen uh, the Legionnaire with hacking. We're seeing the Polaris, which is going to bring in capital ship gameplay and stuff like that. These are 
new forms of playing Star Citizen. Do you guys think that the game is going to be able to follow along in terms of gameplay with these ships? Or are they are you worried that they might just deliver the ships but not the gameplay? Shall I shall I kick off then since you've since you've relied on me in that introduction? Kick um, us off, man. I know you've already thought a lot about this. I have thought a lot about this. Some ships are easier than others to introduce. So some of the big ships, so the Polaris, for example, is very complicated from a modeling perspective, from actually delivering the ship. But from a gameplay perspective, you've got a great big ship with some great big torpedoes on it and some gun turrets. And to some extent, we've kind of already got a lot of those features in game. So for me, it's a very sensible ship to start with because it gets you into that, you know, RSI Dorito sphere of all of those similar ships that you can reuse some of the assets for. But from a gameplay perspective, like that's combat and that's quite advanced within the game at the moment. So I think some ships like that are fairly straightforward. And that's a ship, for example, that I think would be able to fulfill a useful function in-game if it was introduced tomorrow. I couldn't say the same for all of the other ships. You know, where you've got really bespoke gameplay that also needs to be delivered with a ship, that's really important. You know, how long did we have the Starfarer when it was just a glorified cargo transport ship before you got any refueling gameplay? Kind of, yes. Yeah, still is, can, unfortunately, because refueling so busted. Yeah. You can kind of, it's, you know, it's kind of there, sometimes but it's not. Sometimes you connect to it, sometimes yeah. you fall off, but it's there. But, like, that needed something else yeah. designed for it. Um, so, for me, like, that's probably more of the differentiator. Where you've got a ship where the core function is already in game, I think most of the work is in modeling and setup rather than introducing something new. And if the resources behind that, you'd hope that that would move forward fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, with the Polaris, I'm also thinking things like master modes helping making turret gameplay a little bit more realistic and like um, the idea of people logging on and off of ships and all that kind of stuff being being more down the line, I guess, and more more solid. I keep thinking of the little things that make it worth being on a Polaris as opposed to maybe just being on a couple of Andromeda. I guess Andromeda wouldn't be make sense. Like, I don't know, eclipses or something else with torpedoes. Like, do you think that there, there's going to be a realistic reason to be on a capital ship by this time next year? No. Yeah, let's be real. There, there really isn't. There's a lot of sticks they're showing, but not enough carrots, right? Like, we need a lot more of like the economy systems, the base building systems are all important for that because a lot of people who are gonna be using this stuff is gonna be a lot of organized groups, right? And organized groups are then gonna be in conflict, they need something to be in conflict with. It could be territory, resources, things like that. If there's none of that, then it's just really just gonna be people who are just gonna be getting together and just beating each other in the face just for fun. It's not yeah. really gonna be anything um, like really natural, like yeah. if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, I'm for sure. Uh, I'm I'm going to be a bit controversial here and disagree a little bit. So for for me, a big ship like a Polaris is not necessarily a daily driver. It is not something that necessarily, in my mind, you log in every day and go right. I'm going to take my Polaris out and shoot at a Hornet with it. Right. It is a big ship that. I'm anticipating would require organization. And for me, I kind of see a bit of an analogy there with the hammerhead that we've got in game right now. I have a hammerhead in my hangar. I very rarely take it out because there's a lot of organization work involved in actually getting that. 
But I tell you what, when I do take it out, I have a lot of fun and my friends have a lot of fun with it. You know, for big things like Xeno threats, being in a hammerhead is a really fun experience. So for me, if we're starting to see some of these ships introduced in game, even if like that end game gameplay functionality isn't there yet, there could still be use cases where people could have fun with those ships, albeit it might not be every day. I just realized if they're bringing the Polaris in game, that also means we might run into enemy Polaris, right? Yeah. Because they're adding ships to the enemy pools. That would make for some some fun new mercenary missions. Although, it would be weird because it is a torpedo boat. So again, it's like you're kind of setting up a certain type of ballot with, battle with a Polaris. And I, I hear what you're saying, Ferrister, that it's sort of like a, you know, as long as there's an occasional use for it, then it might be worth going into the game. And we, we don't know kind of what this new blockade runner is going to be like. We don't know really what they're going to do with uh, the mission givers in the future or, or these new missions. So maybe they could get a couple or more missions to use ships like that in. Um, but it'll be interesting to watch over the year. I just think to, to Ferrister's point, I'll, I'll be controversial and disagree a little bit as well with, with, with you on that. Just, just a tiny bit is I think a lot of players, especially MMO players, find their their little niche in their game and they do that thing over and over again until maybe they get bored of it. And I think you see that with people who love to do bounties right now and they'll just do it over and over and over again and take their clips out or take whatever their favorite ship is and go as far as they can with it. Miners, mine, you know, salvagers are salvaging. But the, uh, so I think as long as the game gives you content consistently that you can use a Polaris with, and I think it would be, I'd be remiss to not think that they would do that. Obviously, they would be delivering larger. We we had you know you. There's Idris battles now and all sorts of things like that. Like I could just see that gameplay existing quite simply and easily still. Um, that a, a it could be a driver, a daily driver for a certain group of people, maybe. But yeah. uh, I just I. I don't know. I don't know. My quickly, my only takeaway from the ship panel, especially around this subject on the Polaris, is that their only goal is to deliver as many of the as much of the backlog as possible, and they don't care about delivering the next ship that you may like. I know you bought the ship in 2012, but it doesn't matter. We're going to do whatever the most efficient thing is, and that's it. And that really sucks for some people. Uh, I'm a banner merchantman owner, but it's just not happening. You know, so you just got to come to reality and yeah. accept it that they're going to do what's best for everybody. And, and what's best for everybody is to deliver the most amount of ships in the, the shortest amount of time. And uh, the banner merchantman is just not going to fit in that uh, scenario, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I. Maybe as as we're having this discussion, an idea has come to mind, you know, with the Polaris specifically, I don't think that's one you're going to go out and get a bounty hunting mission for. I, I think what you're going to get is a patrol assignment. And your job is to go sure. out and run a cycle with that Polaris. You've got, you know, uh, checkpoints that you need to, to mark off to have your daily patrol. And maybe at some point during that route, someone's going to come up and challenge you, right? And maybe mm -hmm. it's going to be a, a, a Nine-Tails Hammerhead. Uh, maybe it's an Idris. It, it, it's something that's going to shake things up, or it could just be a completely clear day, right? And no issues whatsoever. But, you know, running a patrol route on one of those large capital-class ships, I I think is probably, you know, it, it's got the role play side of me kind of excited, but also brings in the fact that 
not every mission with a ship like that needs to be a direct head-to-head -head combat one and done encounter right it you know get out and and give us a patrol mission right and that sounds incredible for me. You know, I would yeah. love that. I, I guess where I was coming from with my comments is um, if I have to wait three years for that gameplay, I would rather yeah. have the Polaris now in a year's time with what we have now and then wait another couple of years to get that than wait three years just to be able to walk around to Polaris, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I think it works for combat ships, but I, I don't know if you guys share the same opinion. I'll, I'll definitely read, I'll ask you this, but my opinion on the... Uh, the RSI miner that they mentioned. Are you excited? Yeah, see, so you ex seem excited. I don't want it at all. I want them to flesh out crafting and all these other things around mining and whatever, what refining looks like. You need to get all the, just how they talked about the economy and the dynamic economy, and I, I imagine we'll touch on that a little bit later too, mm -hmm. of we need to get all these systems online before we bring in this stuff. You need to get all these systems online before you build the ships that use them, because go look at the Vulture. You know, mm -hmm. you made so many mistakes there, not not on purpose. You just didn't know. You, they, they didn't know any better, you know? The RSI yeah. miner, I'm hoping, is our introduction to bore mining into planet yeah. surfaces. Yeah, but I, I don't want to walk around it. I want it to work. But with a combat right. ship like the Polaris, yeah. I can walk. I, I'm 100% with Ferrister on that. I could walk around that thing because I know what's... Yeah. I'm going to shoot a missile with it. I know what it's going to do. So yeah. it's different. I, I think the the mining gameplay we see today and the mining gameplay that they're going to release to support the RSI Orion, uh, which is one that I have not seen mentioned as far as the RSI capital ships are developing, right? It, that's That's been silent. But yep. also the mid-range between the Mole and the Orion. Uh, both of those, I think there's going to be a new tier of mining gameplay that comes out with those. But that also kind of ties back into the base building and the crafting that we are going to have a reason to get and and collect that volume of resources, and not just to sell for profit, but like to build yes. org level bases, right? And you know, one of those things I've suggested uh, as as we get new systems and jump point stations opened up, you know, turn it into a community works event. Say, you know, we need ten thousand units of iron uh, to be able to put this space station together, and you've got a full bill of materials that you've got to do, but. You're going to need those larger ships and that large coordination between groups to do yep. those. I don't know that the gameplay right now, it's its not going to scale for mining to get into that level. But yeah, uh, do I want to go run around my Orion? Maybe. Like we saw, you know, you talked about the Starfare. We, we saw it come out. It was pretty to walk around in. You got used to it, but it didn't do much. You know, same with the Reclaimer. Uh, that's another great example. We, we knew that there were the seats there. We didn't see until hole scraping came in what the reclaimer was you know it was it was interesting for maybe combat scenarios and we got the black kite missions but it came in long before the gameplay was ready for it and not that that was a bad thing just that you know uh, there was a lot that needed to happen behind the scenes to make that gameplay engaging for that scale yeah yeah do you guys think that the same thing might happen with the legionnaire and hacking we saw that on the uh the roadmap i guess for the next 12 months you think that means that we're going to start to get hacking and boarding stuff? It, it does kind of fit in with engineering. Yeah. I was going to say it, it, it pairs really well with the engineering gameplay. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they manage the access controls. Um, it may just be, uh, yeah, anybody that's internal to the ship has access. Anybody that's external doesn't, unless they go through some specific patch, you know, hacking in and, and doing that. Anybody else on that one? Don't care about the Legionnaire. 
<laughs> I just, I, I mean, I think when we see the hacking mission that they did with the tool again, when we knew that they have bigger plans for it, is is sort of like concerning when it comes to that specific gameplay. So it's like, damn, you showed me a whole engineering UI. You're probably going to use this for hacking, but uh, how far away is it? If you're working on a mission that you totally are going to scrap later, it was kind of so. I missed that. Part, I, that's I the one chip. It was an ISC or something. You know, the oh. the you go down, you put the hacking chip in, and then you got to turn off the servers or whatever because they're cooling. It was yeah. like a, it was like three four weeks ago. Oh yes yes yes, that's the one that they were working on in like the UGFs, right? Yeah yeah, but it just yeah. tells you that they're like, okay, well, we're not using the new hacking mechanic right. for this. Yeah, so you're right. yeah. yeah, it's basically yeah. like the SBK thing mm -hmm. where you just plug in a card and then mm -hmm. yeah. everything else happens in the background. Yeah, basically. that yeah. has been weird. I was like, why are you guys doing a, a data heist mission right now when hacking is in development, but not that that is strange. Because it's not. <laughs> you okay, know, that's probably like, why. <laughs> it's uh oh God, it's well, yeah i mean it, it could be it's just it's one of those things that that was weird right like yeah. the question you yeah. ask is totally valid yeah. it think, just makes um, me go because it's not you know i think it's because the mission designers are coming up with like they're cooking up new ideas to use this technology on but like the tech is not ready yet so they're sure. pushing it in a yeah. state that doesn't have it but it will be when it's ready that's at least that's my assumption yeah like but that mission I'm... could be one of the coolest missions but then but I'm not right of... now you I'm know? like, well, then why do a data heist? Why not do another type of mission now and do a data heist when you have more of the gameplay? And maybe that's just, you know, internal scheduling stuff. Maybe that's internal communication stuff. I don't know. But Could maybe be originally like the developer finds fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or originally it was going to be in parallel, but something happened with the hacking and they're like, well, let's just push the mission out in a earlier state and we'll just, that's content. Yeah. We'll come back to cool. it later. Maybe. Yeah. How about modularity? That's something else that I think they kind of teased with the MPUV and the Retaliator. You guys think we might be seeing that finally with the, <laughs> hopefully with the Retaliator first as they've said it hopefully. was supposed to be? Hopefully, but I won't hold my breath really, honestly. Um, yeah. The Retaliator, I've been waiting on that rework for the longest time. It was the first ship I really fell in love with the game. So to see them finally come back to it, I know it's the same for like the 600i owners, but in terms of modularity, it seems like, um, it seems like from what they showed, the concepts and the work for it was done but like the plugging in and getting it to work with the existing systems is, was where the actual like delays were happening with that yeah. um because you know they have to deal with the uh phys physics grid systems and all that complicated nonsense that goes with it um uh, which apparently was the why the whole c also was needed to come in because that the tech for that i guess kind of i think if i recall like interlocks with that like the idea of uh, adjustable physics grids and stuff like that. There's a whole bunch of like black magic that goes into it and yeah. modularity is part of that as well too because uh, once the retaliator gets that modularity, I'm wondering if they can then scale it to like the caterpillar because remember caterpillar was supposed to be modular as well too. So yeah, there's uh, there's a whole lot on there which is the reason why I guess they're, they put resources away for it and then now they're coming back or at least I hope they're coming back and yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. We will. I think what's got me a bit nervous about modularity is on the ship section, they talked about the Idris and that the Idris was going to be ready and in players' hands whenever Squadron 42 comes out. And then after that, they said, but the Javelin will follow afterwards because there's some complexities about modularity that we still need to figure out. And that suggests to me there are still some problems that need to be solved given that we don't have a date for squadron 42 um that they are going to need a fair chunk of time to figure out mm -hmm. yeah. yeah but and is modularity a core tech for squadron 
I, I don't think so. I think that's more a persistent universe feature that that's going to come with that snowball of developer resources starting Q1. You know, that hopefully that's one of those at the top of their list rather than just focusing on base building. Yeah. You know, we, we have, we have teams dedicated to solving those problems now that they have the time to do that. Any other ships that you guys uh, really caught notice of during this event that, that jumped out to you that you're excited for? Uh, I, just, I mean, that was the worst panel. That's all I have to say. Everything was so good, <laughs> but it wasn't yeah. the worst panel because it was bad. It was just, it was a ship. It was a, yeah. it was normal. Nothing yeah. else was normal yeah. about CitizenCon. That was just normally, a normal panel. Yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, normally I'm yeah. like, normally I'm excited to see what ships they're working on, but this time around, because of everything else they had been showing even prior like, to that, yeah, it was just panel? like, it was yeah. like, yeah, like, wrap it up, guys, go, wrap guys. it up. Yeah, yeah let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. All right then. Look. We'll see you on IC 14 times this year, John Crew. It's okay. Yeah. Red Monster, you were saying something? I, I was going to say, I, as a sucker for the EMP ships, the, the Zeus MR, um, it definitely made a spot in my fleet. Um, I, uh, that, that's all I've got to say about it. Aside from uh, Ben Curtis and I shared, shared a, a, slim, a slim tummies moment, yeah, slim bellies, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I like, the, uh, I like the, C, the CL and the ES. I could see having uses for both of those ships. I'm not crazy about the design, but the size of the ship, the role it hits, and uh, the way it goes about it, I, I do like. So I'm going to keep an eye on that one. That's like maybe a buy-in game someday. Maybe you'll replace my yeah. C1. Yeah, one I thing love the I way was, it looked. Um, yeah, it looks awesome. But one thing I wanted to hit on, though, with the MR specifically, is the prisoner pods in them are also horizontal, and we saw a little while back that they're doing that also for the Hawk. Like, because the Hawk is going to have, like, the horizontal... Uh, prisoner pods like mm. is that a thing going forward now like is the stalker now going to have horizontal pods in the future like i'm curious as Probably. to like what, what's going Probably. on with that yeah yeah because yeah. they, they're not you doing snap them in somehow with a tractor beam yeah maybe <laughs> that seems like that. so janky though it seems so hilarious just pulling somebody with a tractor beam and just throwing them around like a gmod map or something like that oh yeah <laughs> all right so last uh last highlights that you guys had for CitizenCon before i finish up with the final question what were the what were the biggest moments for you I mean, for me, of course, obviously the audio stuff for this because I'm the audio guy. But I mean, that is really like the biggest highlight for me. I love Dude, how that cool stuff. is that? How you? It, how yeah. cool is that though? That you know that you had to have a huge impact on that. Did they tell you? No, no. no. Um, I mean, a, a lot of people say I have a huge impact, and I, I'd like to think that. But we have to remember that they've been wanting to do this since like 2014. Like that's oh, the last oh they've always heard. mentioned it. Really, they've always mentioned okay. it. Yeah, like it, I remember as far back as it was a 10 for the chairman. Actually, in my recent video that I put out, um, I actually used that clip where people were asking Chris. They're like. Chris, you're going with this like Star Wars style audio. Like, uh, when are you going to do that? And he's like, yeah, I mean, he, typical Chris answer. Like, yeah, we could definitely put it in the game, but uh, you, you, imagine. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, exa exactly. And, um, and then it came up again in 2018 when they had sound designers on Reverse the Verse, and they were talking about like, it would be so cool if you could turn the, the uh, sound simulation off. And what if you got EMP'd and all this and that? It was all Imagine Talk, right? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then eventually as time went on, I think they kind of got design documentation nailed on it. Um, I talked to sound designers in the past about it uh, who used to work at CAG, and a lot of them were like, yeah, this is stuff we want to do. It's just not dedicated to the resources yet. There's so much other stuff we have to do first, um, but it's something that we 100% want to do. I was like, okay, cool. And then that's why I went and did my videos because yeah. they said that that is what they want to do. It doesn't mean they could, and I did the videos because I wanted to illustrate what that would sound like if you yeah. had no sound simulation. 
And uh, obviously there is a huge, uh, uh, you know, group of individuals out there who play stars and who really would love to do that, um, regardless of whether it would affect your situational awareness or whatnot. Um, there's still a, a large group of people who just enjoy the space aspect of it and the realism that it could bring when you do that in the simulation. And um, yeah, so I, I'm I'm certain CSG looked at the videos and they're like, you know, maybe we should start working on that for Squadron 42 and put it in there. Yeah. Maybe that maybe there is something like that there, but ultimately at the end of the day, it was something that they have talked about for a long time, going as far back as even Chris mentioning it. So well, okay. I, mean, I didn't know that. I was like, this this guy's sound Tarada. This is <laughs> he, he's going to do sound things and they're going to do it. That's what I thought was going on because I was like, that was the coolest video I've ever seen, and. I loved it, but now what happens? What? How many years back are we now? Is what I was thinking. But I, I had no idea that this was a plan the whole time. Actually. Yeah, yeah, it was that for was a awesome. long time. Yeah, are they and, sticking? Um, are they sticking to the simulation thing, where, or is it just you can turn realistic mode on the, and off? The idea that they're going for is that we are going to be able to tweak it, and also there's going to be gameplay elements that are going to be out of your control. So, for example, if you get EMP'd or okay. the actual simulation component on your ship gets damaged in combat, you will just lose out on that. Cool. Kind of like um, in Elite Dangerous when you get cockpitted, right? Like if you have your cockpit blown out and you lose all the sound, like there's yeah. a gameplay element attached to that when that happens. Cool. And um, so that's kind of like the idea they want to go for. Now, of course, they haven't really explained much more in beyond what we saw. Um, I'm hoping next year or within the coming few months that they will kind of elaborate more on it. One thing I really want to see them do, if they can, is really let us tweak the mix, if we can, on the sound simulation. Because one of the things that's always a pet peeve of mine for Star Citizen ship combat is how weak the weapons can sound. And that's because a lot of other elements take priority. And I would love to just, like, dial back my my engine sounds and, like, bring up, like, weapon sounds, impact sounds on my ship. Because I want to actually hear CIG when well, you know, yeah, my ship is getting hit. Well, that's the problem with the game. <laughs> yeah. You can't tell when you're getting oh, yeah. shot sometimes. Yeah. No. In and um, outside too late. Yeah, sometimes right. it's like a that's a network related issue because you know you'll see a guy shooting ninety degrees away and all of a sudden your shields are going down and it's like what what's going on and sometimes rounds will go through your shield so there's network stuff but when it is actually working and it is fully fleshed out and it, it's actually you know running at full cylinders and the servers are behaving properly um, it works pretty decently but it could always be a lot better in my opinion. Um, now, obviously, like, they have an entire design documentation they're going to be going through on that. They're going to be going through all kinds of stuff on that. They have to then go and rework all the ships. All the ship weapons are going to get rebalanced, of course, because we have master modes coming in, and they're going to be doing the, all that balancing. So I'm hoping that they're going to be taking a look at it, and then I'm hoping they also can give it, uh, give the player the ability to tweak that to some extent. And uh, the reason why is because I, I'm a big fan of allowing players to do customizing of stuff. So anybody who played, like, MMOs, right? The ability to customize your UI, I think, is like inter integral to like any good MMO, in my opinion. And I would love the ability for us to do that in game for like the sound as well. I think that would be yeah, really cool. That'd be great. Anybody else? Biggest moment of the uh, event for you? Blueprints. Okay, crafting. Hundred yeah. percent. I've known about yeah. it for a long time too. That that was the thing in the plans. I don't remember when I even heard it. That's how long ago it was. And I knew that ships were always in the plans and all this stuff. And uh, I was just like, when are we going to, when are we going to say this stuff? When are, or did they stick to it? And, and they did. And it was like, cause you had to, there were so many arguments in, in, in the community of like around crafting and that this type of stuff can't happen. And um, some people were saying happening. it wasn't, crafting wasn't even going to be a thing. Yeah. I mean, Chris did. 
right? So it's understandable if they felt that. I'm, I'm, this might be an F8C scenario again, where it's like, we thought they adamantly said they wouldn't sell it, huh, even okay. though they were like, kind of like very coy about it. Um, but I, I swear, I remember Chris specifically saying, we will not have MMO style crafting, whatever, you know, that gives him an out still there too, right? But the, mm. the, I think this surprised a lot of people and I still see people coping about the fact that like they, they won't, it won't be all ships. And it's like, nah, I, I don't I think see it's going to be all the ships. Like it, <laughs> it makes sense for crafting to drive the economy though, as a, as an engine yeah. component. Um, yeah. But you, it's interesting that both of your, both of your kind of biggest moments were again, those sorts of things that like they talked about a long time and we were always like, okay, but when is that happening? Much like a lot of the other stuff in, in this, uh, this event rent monster you're going to continue the trend what was what was good for oh you? man yeah so obviously hands down crafting and you know kind of the base building aspect i'm very excited about that as an industrial player i finally have something to do with all those raw materials besides go and sell them for a, an extra digit on my account yeah. balance um i i feel like as far as overall gameplay engagement i'm i'm gonna get plenty of mileage out of that um i am excited about it and i could talk at length about it um but I, I did want to touch on one. Uh, we haven't talked about it much, and it's it's probably something that, uh, from the first person's perspective, we don't get to see a whole lot, but the new character creator and what they've done with uh, not only the increase in the number of heads that got scanned uh, in-game, but now the new way that DNA system is going to... Uh, basically, you no longer have a library of 60 heads. You have a library of rule sets that say, if you increase this feature by x amount there's this other model we're going to pull that section from you you're they're kind of interpolating all the different features together so you can really go ham with it like i i saw that and I was, I was really impressed with it as well as the new hair and that you know obviously i'm not going to spend a whole lot of time doing selfies but i was very impressed with that that was one that got me excited and as i was re-watching the panels um mrs red actually sat down next to me she's like that's actually really cool and if there's something that can get Mrs. Red into my nerdy video games, I'm I'm gonna be all about that. So. Oh my god! Just on that note, my wife started looking up if she can play Star Citizen on a Mac after the base building demo. Dude, <laughs> yeah. you, you should at the event as soon as the map stuff came up. Mrs. Tomato was like, "I'm gonna play. I can play the game now." <laughs> just constantly throughout all of Citizen Con, it's just she's just been waiting for like the game to get to a point where a normal person can like actually figure your way around the game and uh yeah that kind of stuff the character creator the maps the base building the loot stuff is all like that casual thing that'll <laughs> finally be more interesting to to normal people yeah. um Ferrister, big moments yeah so i love the engineering loved the ships loved squadron 42 i think i'd also have to mention the community reactions so this sitcom i think people were really positive but not like in a white knighting copium hype bury my head in the sun mm -hmm. and pretend everything's wonderful kind of way it was more from a i'm really proud to support this i'm really proud that we can see some tangible progress and for me halfway across the world seeing people meeting up face to face chatting hanging out enthusing about star citizen with each other like i was living vicariously through that that looked like an incredible experience and for me the community for Star Citizen can be, it's not always, but it can be incredibly positive. And lots of what I saw from CitizenCon was exactly that. So that was definitely a highlight. And I'd also have to mention all the love for Bone. I think it was the new Jared Red <laughs> 2, for those who remember that. I thought that was fun as well.
Yeah, I, I missed yeah. the yelling at Glenn, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, being there was incredible. It was the the positivity was nuts. Um, I didn't expect to have as much fun as I did. Mrs. Tomato said it was the best event she's ever been to. Uh, the, the, the vibes were good. The camaraderie was good. People were just happy to be like hanging out and hearing good news. Um, yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, hybrid Red Monster. Would you guys enjoy your time there? Yeah, absolutely. I think like one of the interesting factors uh, is that um, when I first got in the doors and I was kind of taking the temperature of all the other citizens that were there, I think everybody was kind of like there was a lot of uncertainty and a little bit of apprehension um, because people were seeing all the pyro stuff and were like, oh, no, is it going to really be like more 4.0 stuff? Like we've seen this already time and time again. And um, that immediately melted away. Like there were so many smiles on everybody's faces, just even after the Star Engine demo, even though it was like stuff that we've already seen, we already know Star Citizen is capable of. The fact that they had put together this demonstration and then they started going into panels explaining in depth all this new stuff. Mm -hmm. um, everybody was just grinning like idiots the entire time. It was just like, I think everybody was like very, very satisfied with their time there at least that's what i think i mean i'm not i can't speak for everybody of course but yeah it was very interesting like immediately walking in people were like excited but a little bit apprehensive and then you walk in you're like oh no pyro stuff and then immediately panels go and you're like oh my god this is this is amazing the, the this is show incredible. floor was really impressive uh really well done but uh yeah we were all like a bunch of proud parents i think yeah, yeah i think that's the best the way to describe it yeah, yeah. <laughs> like even um, the biggest white knights got it like over the last couple of years had to have a level of embarrassment of their hobby right like you're i'm not going to share this with my all my friends because <laughs> it's not ready for them yet yeah. we don't really have to be embarrassed of our hobby anymore right and that's that's kind of what i think changed a little bit here is like you could show them something and what it is going to be and it's very easy to understand and you'd be like well just wait don't play right now, but you know, yeah. it's it there. You have something to show them that like, this isn't like everybody. When I worked in the casino, everybody that played video games, they'd be like, what games do you play? And I'd be like, I play this game star citizen. Oh, isn't that the game that's never coming out? Isn't that the skin? You know, like now it's like, isn't the, this the game that had that demp, you know, that's what it's going to be now. Yeah. So it's uh, it's way different of just a vibe, yeah. you know? Yeah. We're kind of cresting that hill towards uh, like going into the mainstream slowly, slowly, yeah. slowly over time. Um, and this is, again, why CAG really have to strike while the iron is hot, but they also have to make sure they get it right. Uh, yeah. Like, when we see a lot of the people who are doing the reacting um, of, like, the Squadron 42 stuff, there was a lot of people, if you look at, especially in the chat now, of course, chat's chat, and Mike can, of course, attest to this. Chat yeah, is yeah. chat. chat. But the at the Queen's end of the chat. day, <laughs> Star Citizen has a reputation, right? We all know it has a reputation and in other circles outside of Star Citizen itself, like everybody kind of looks almost down on Star Citizen in certain aspects, right? Now that's slowly changing because they're finally putting their money where their mouth is. They're showing off this cool gameplay features. They're saying that the game is now feature complete and in polishing. Everybody's like, cool, show us, show us that it was worth all that money you guys apparently blew for over the yeah. past 10 years, right? And they need to get it right. They need to do a lot of playtesting. The polishing needs to be done 100% right. Because again, I think it's going to be, in some ways, in my opinion, probably going to be unfairly critiqued a lot. I think there's going to be a lot of people in there who are going to see like a one NPC glitch out in Squadron 42 and be like, see, this is the reason why you can't waste money on games like this or something like that. Like, honestly, there is going to be some people like that. And in my opinion, like they need to get a lot of that stuff hammered in and dialed in if they can. 
uh, because there is going to be a lot of people who are going to go into those trailers again and be like, yeah, look at the frame rate there. Look at the uh, the NPCs. Like, you know, we all saw that. We all, I'm sure in the moment, some of us were kind of like overlooking it and be like, this is incredible. But at the same time, in the back of our heads, we're like, yeah, that uh, you guys could have cleaned that up a little bit more, you know. At the end of the day, we, we love that CIG are a bit candid. Um, they're willing to show us demonstrations that have all the warts and bugs and stuff like that because not only are we used to that in the game, but it's also just different from how the industry generally operates. Everything is all very, very corporate and clean. Whereas, um, I mean, CIG is kind of going that way with their ship sales and stuff like that. But yeah. that's a whole different thing. I was talking about like this actual demonstration and stuff like that, them showing gameplay. I mean, we've seen a lot of the other citizen cons where they've shown gameplay and like their stuff would just crash and stuff. And any other company would be absolutely just mortified if something like that happened. But CIG is willing to let that happen because of the fact that they're willing to be open about how the game is. They know everything's complicated. Yeah. They know things are like that. Like, it's not always going to work. And we understand that as playing the game. But now that we're cresting this hill towards mainstream, I think they need to really look at that and be like, okay, we need to kind of rein that back and actually try to clean up the image as much as we can. Because a lot of people are going to be looking at it and be like, where did the money go, right? Yeah. yeah. So what? this event and Red Monster, I want to open with you because I, I do want to hear about your experience in person as well. Um, this event, I guess, just to close us out here uh, from each of you, was it a success in what it needed to do? And do you feel like it even went a little bit further than that? Red, let's yeah. start with you. Um, yeah, first off, uh, the only panel that I was not there for was the cosplay competition. Everything else, I was glued to my seat. I had, I enjoyed the crap out of the technical details, the level of detail they went through. But I, I feel like the number one thing they did very, very successfully was they bookended the convention with the Star Engine demo, which is our new Pupil to Planet, just absolute eye candy, a 28 minutes uh, showing. I'd say 90% of that is in-game today, and the next 10% is, you know, uh, on a 12-ish month release. You can send that to somebody and say, hey, this is this is that nerdy space game I've been talking about for 10 years, right? Um, and then uh, being in the audience as the Squadron 42 video rolled out, I, you know, not to go too fanboy, but I... I feel like that was probably the closest to a religious experience I've ever had. <laughs> you know, we 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 see the intro video. Uh, we've got the F7As doing their patrol through the gorgeous clouds, and then it turns around with the second fleet and the bagpipes hit. Like there, there's just something like primal. Uh, you know, the I mean, subtle every hair. commander theme was the yeah. one that got me. I was like, hell yeah. When was that? I, yeah. I don't know the wing commander theme. Was that uh, the right, at the, right at the beginning with the bagpipes, it was just like an undertone of the Wing Commander theme, and, huh, and yeah. I'm just like, "Yo, this is awesome!" I got yeah, go every every cool. on my arm was just like standing up at that moment, and it was it, it was fantastic. So, yeah, it was like uh, it was a very like you said, it was like a primal feeling for anybody who's interested in space. Like you see people mm -hmm. who are like, "Yeah, Battlestar Galactica vibes." Like there are a lot of fans of different types of space fictions that are all kind of getting their uh, their wants answered with a game like this. Yeah. How about you, uh, Ferrister, how about you? What do you think of the event overall? It wasn't what I expected at all. When it was kind of badged up as Welcome to Pyro, I was expecting like one panel that says, this is what Pyro looks like now. But I really liked how they weaved the theme into each of the panels and weaved it into tangible gameplay. 
I think I would say the day and time choice wasn't great for some of us that weren't in attendance and living across the world. You know, as somebody who's stayed up for CitizenCon previously over the years, I'm just not able to do that at 2 a.m. on a Monday morning before work for the kind of closing. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to see if it's a two-day event in the future, maybe a Friday or on a Saturday or more international times. But I appreciate that's really difficult to do. But equally, when they've got an online viewership of kind of like 30,000 people plus watching it live, I think that would help. But for me, I'm really enthusiastic about CitizenCon. I think it was exactly what Star Citizen needed. And I think the reaction to it has been great. So very positive. Cool. Yeah, I think the panels probably could have started a couple hours earlier. They started at like 11 a.m. over here. I think 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. would have been fine. I, I At the time, I would have said, no, hey, why did these start so early? I wanted to sleep. But like, it makes sense for the viewership internationally, especially. Uh, hybrid, how about you? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, ultimately, like, I I think I've, re like, relayed a lot of what I, my opinion was on there. But ultimately, yeah, I think this was a really, really good showing overall. Uh, it definitely was a huge surprise for the most part. I mean, they had all the panels on there, you know, that um, kind of itinerary they put out. And a lot of it did, it was vague enough to the point where I was like, yeah, this feels like more 4.0 stuff. Okay, whatever, you know, mm -hmm. which is why, again, like I said, when we walked in, everybody was kind of like, oh, what are we going to get more 4.0? Okay, cool, cool. And then when it actually, we got into the meat and potatoes and they were doing show and tell and they were just like, here it is. Here's everything that we have been working on behind the scenes. And it's going to be coming to you guys soon TM, like at least maybe next year, hopefully, or sometime beyond that. We don't know. Um, and it was a lot more believable because of the fact that it was actual tangible gameplay they were showing. Uh, it's one thing to just show slides and concept art and to show design documentation and stuff like that. It's another thing to see it, you know, in glorious 60 FPS and with the developer sitting there just showing it, playing in the background, being like, hey, this is us doing it. What do you think? You know, we're, it's just, it's an entirely different experience, right? Um, because the last one I personally went to was in 2018. And that one was a, a lot of Imagine tech in there for sure, but they were also showcasing like what was it? The new um, they that showed was back the when new we saw cloth. Yeah, they showed the cloth stuff, um, but it was mostly like a lot of the Lorville stuff, right? They were talking about Lorville and Hurston and all that stuff. Then they de debuted the uh, the Valkyrie. And uh, the Valkyrie was like uh, the big one. Everybody was losing their mind, and and even back then, I was thinking to myself like, yeah, but like. Is this a mission in the game? Like, is this really going to be a thing? Like, this is obviously that was just the, the only time it was. Yeah, yeah, that yeah was exactly. One of yeah. the good ones. Yeah, they. Uh, that was the one with the satellite too. I think if I recall. Yeah. But then awesome. they had. Yeah, but then they had like the player come in with the Valkyrie, and he was like fighting other players. I was like, okay, that's not part of the mission. I, yeah, okay. The. Uh, yeah, that one was. It's like we don't even have AI on planets at the time, so it was like we only had UGFs, and that was it. So. Um, but even in the back of my mind, that one was like, yeah, okay, this seems cool. And then I watched the one on 2019. I watched the stream of that one and they were showing like the stealth mission in Microtech. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, so, and then the subsequent ones were all streams. They were all cool, but it was all 4.0 stuff. And then this one around, like I said, I, I went and I, I was just like, okay, let's see what we got guys. There's going to be more 4.0s. No. No, it was all show and tell. It was all Squadron 42 stuff, stuff that's coming in soon. And yeah, I mean, I was absolutely blown away. I This was definitely a big win because CIG needed to put a big dub after 318. They needed a big dub, and this was yeah. definitely it right here. This was, um, 
Yeah, I think they they really built off of the success of what they've done the last two years. Two years ago, so yeah, twenty one. Uh, I think they kind of got it. They still they still did a little bit of like sort of unrealistic gameplay demo stuff, but it was stuff to show things off. But I think they focused a lot on making sure the panels were informative about stuff they were doing presently. But then last year, I feel like was really when they started to get better at focusing hard on what's actually being developed and less on like the dream of the gameplay they want to do. But this year, they really refined it. You know, gameplay demos right there on the spot. Um, stuff that we know is being worked on. Stuff they've already presented before. I think that was like the best sort of clue to me was that they were leading us into this Citizen Con literally advertising things that we've already seen. So it wasn't like they were trying to wow us with something amazing. They were legitimately trying to show us where they were. And I really enjoyed that. Mike, we've talked about this a couple times this year, um, Citizen Con, our expectations, and you were worried about them diverting too many resources to the show yeah. and sort of how that's caused problems in the past. I'm interested in hearing now what you thought of it. I mean, it was the exact opposite of that issue, right? Because the show was exactly what you just said. It, they didn't show us a demo of of what they would like to do. They showed us polishing what they've already done right a lot of it was polishing what they already did and that's such a uh, a night and day difference in the way that they've communicated in the past right it was and just to to be clear we still got a lot of that like there was um a lot of convert there was this is what we're doing and then there was still a lot of this is what we would like to do and it's sometimes very difficult to figure out what is what um sometimes but uh, I think everything you saw visually is something that you can really put some weight into and be like, all right, well, it's just up to implementation. Obviously, that's not simple. If it was, it would all be in 322, right? Because it's all pretty much visually there outside of a few things like on the star map that none of us really mentioned, although, uh, you know, outside of, I think, red. But the those things are are not done either, right? They, they said they wanted a few more features on them. So it, for me, that's the it was the opposite. It wasn't a waste of time. It was showing, the whole point was to show we didn't waste your time, we didn't waste your money. And that was, uh, that was good. That was good. We like that. Feels like they finally figured out CitizenCon. Feels like they figured out CitizenCon. Now it's about figuring out doing the job. It's about getting, yeah. getting the job done now and, and delivering it to the players in a state that is not what you're experiencing now in the game, right? Yeah. And are we gonna, we're not gonna avoid server problems yet. That's still in our future, that's, so. See, that's, that's the hard part, going back to the whole, it's hard to go back to 321, is like, it's gonna be hard to see how well Squadron 42 performs and looks and know that we'll probably never get that in Star Citizen. Like, Star Citizen can get optimized, it can get good, but they will always be able to push Squadron yeah. further, right? Yeah. But you'll, but you'll also get experiences in the PU that you'll never get in squad. Oh, of right? Like they'll yeah. be, you'll, they'll be give and take there. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Like it's the difference between a narrative handpicked story and like a sure. an, an online game. Um, and but when I see people talk about like the quality of what they showed with Squadron, I'm like, guys, it's going to be a while before we get that in Star Citizen. Even if they get the gameplay, the server problems and stuff will. Will still make it a little bit rough. I mean, just the NPCs alone, like in in Squadron, I was like, oh my god, the NPCs are working. What what is this black magic? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but if you look at the like feature set, they they 
had a panel on nearly all of those things. Yeah, you know, that's so that's it's the like best part. you are going to get that polish sooner yeah. than you you're think. You're going to get that but, gameplay at least. But you're not going to get the maybe not the experience, you know, as perfect as we would like, of course. Yeah. But I think um I think I can speak for all of us here in saying that after that event things are looking better for Star Citizen. Things are things are up and I hope that they can carry that through the holiday into the new year with a good yep. Q1 patch with with some of these features they showed us. For sure. Strike um, while the iron is hot, CAG. Yeah, yeah. Please, please. Thank you all for joining me today. This has been a, a great show, our longest Citizen Central, I think, to date. Uh, before we head off, one last time, I'd like to give you guys a chance to tell people who you are and where they can find your content. So, Red Monster, why don't you start us off? Yep, uh, I'm Red Monster SC. Uh, you can find me on Twitch every Sunday morning for my group Sunday morning mining sessions, uh, and then on YouTube where I've got uh, tutorials for industrial gameplay. Thank you. Ferrister, how about you? Yeah, I am Ferrister. You'll find me most on YouTube slash Ferrister. Do lots of videos, mostly showcasing some of the beautiful stuff that happens in game, like the ships and the locations. More often than not, you might find me in the Twitch chat of some of these people that are, are actually streaming because um, I get a lot of buzz out of watching some of the other people in the Star Citizen community. Appreciate that. It's always fun to see familiar faces pop in. Uh, hybrid. Hey folks, Hybrid. I am the audio guy of Star Citizen, so to speak. Uh, yeah, Hybrid V Audio on YouTube. I mostly do a lot of different variety stuff, gameplay, tutorials, and whatnot. Of course, I'm known for doing like audio stuff, like little audio demonstrations of using the game and whatnot. Um, I've also been known as the smooth landings guy now, apparently, because I, I like to critique people with their smooth landing <laughs> yeah, videos. Yeah, so, are awesome. Um, yeah, so I'll probably be going back and doing a lot of that. But now that the game has been improving a lot more in stability-wise, Pyro is now a thing. Like, it's going to be a lot of fun to just generate more gameplay videos and getting back into doing a lot more tutorials, stuff like that. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on going forward. So I look forward to seeing you all there. Cool. Thank you. And Salty Mike uh yeah i'm the react guy i guess i don't know the i just i'm so excited to to just start doing things in game again we have pyro now and i am really curious to see what this testing process will be like throughout the next couple of weeks and that's pretty much what i'm up to outside of answer the call podcast which is something that's changed a little bit as well recently bringing on Kronzi as a co-host has been a big deal and a and a really exciting thing i'm, I'm just gonna pop in and i do my similar to uh red i do saturday morning like org stuff and um this week i had the best experience i've ever had in star citizen ever it was and and we all talked about like coming back to 321 and not not being great i had the best star citizen experience i ever had so cool yeah i mean uh, i don't know watching videos playing the game a little bit i'll be around i guess I living the the star citizen life i just realized we yeah. didn't even talk about pyro there's just so much in CitizenCon <laughs> that we didn't even get to talk about Pyro. That's uh, that'll have to be at the next show, folks. <laughs> let it <laughs> let you. it cook a little while. That's yeah. probably a good mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, it could use yeah it's going to be over the next couple of days. So yeah, yep. let, let let it stew for a bit. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah. for sure. All right, guys, thank you again for joining me, folks. Thanks for coming to another episode of Citizen Central. This is our monthly podcast, but I also do a weekly one, launch sequence. Keep an eye out for that. We're covering Star Citizen, CitizenCon, Squadron Forty Two across both of those throughout the next couple of weeks. YouTube, audio platforms, wherever you like to get your stuff. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning in for this show. Hope you got something good out of it and enjoyed it. And go check these folks out on their all, all their platforms. Thanks again for coming, and I'll see you all next week.